49ers rookies on the field at post-draft minicamp, and Kyle Shanahan at an event speaking about all the franchise quarterbacks on the San Francisco 49ers roster. That and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Croc, let's start with Rookie Minicamp. And what, by the way, I feel bad for Croc. For those of you who don't know, he's a Lakers fan. We've talked a lot about it on the podcast, you know, big Lakers Warriors series, a lot of Warriors fans amongst 49ers fans. Surprisingly, a, a lot of Lakers fans as well. Shout out to the Kings fans now sitting at home with the, with the Warriors as well. But Croc, how many followers have you lost over the last uh, week or so because of your trash talk with Warriors fans? At, at least a couple hundred. Fandom is funny. And I think I, because NFL fans are kind of nuts. I think NBA fans are a whole level of nuts. They're, they are the most insane out of their minds. Not just like rabid fans. They are in, you know, to use a Laker term, la-la land. They are, NBA fans are out of their ever-loving minds. As it, I don't know what it is about the NBA that makes those fans nuts. Um, but, you know, football <laughs> fans are crazy too. Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers. I know he, he, he rubs a lot of fans the wrong way. And, and 49ers fans that listen to this podcast like to give him a lot of business after the 49ers and Packers play. Um, but Bukowski this weekend, Croc, mentioned something about Justin Fields, and I was bringing up uh, something about how, you know, looking forward to seeing Fields and the and the Bears this season and, and you know, how many more games could they potentially win. And, um, and I made the mistake of commenting on Peter Bukowski's tweet about Fields and the Bears because, man, uh, you think 49ers listeners don't like Peter Bukowski? You should have hear, heard Bears fans going out. I'm just kidding. I'm still today. I'm just getting all these uh, notifications. Nobody's talking to me at all about my take about the Bears. It's just Bear fans going at Peter Bukowski. You don't know nothing. Take this L. Uh, don't talk about our team. Your team's this. It's like, I'm like, oh, my God. So NFL fans are crazy as well. And it, it's fun to jump into one of those rivalries sometimes. And I know Croc has seen that side of it uh, with the with the Lakers and Warriors this week. So. <laughs> Been a lot of fun. Gotta have fun with it. Got to, yeah. And don't be unsubscribing, Croc. Just give him his trash talk right back. That's how you That's gotta it. do it. That's yes. how you gotta do. Just trash talk back. I take it. I even retweet the guys that they'll tra- they'll talk trash. They, they, there's people that I can tell are having fun with it with me. So when the Warriors win, they tweet me stuff, and I retweet it. And you know, I'm like, yeah, let's all have fun. But there are a lot that they take it kind of <laughs> personal. All right, there are some takeaways from rookie minicamp, Croc. You and I were not at minicamp, so I, you know I'm not going to like scout the practices. I think that's done a little bit too much in the NFL, especially guys getting their first ever NFL practice in. Um, but you have been at rookie minicamps before as a player, so I, I want you to take the listeners through what it's like at rookie minicamp and what we could even take away from a practice that is the first time these guys are are, are practicing. Uh, with NFL teammates, it's just a rookie camp, so there's no veterans around. There's a few, you know, scattered veterans and tryouts, and we'll talk about some of those players that that were on the field for the 49ers in these rookie mini camps. But I mean, you're in shorts, and they were wearing helmets, no pads, but shorts and helmets. What can you even take away from a practice like this? 
So ultimately what they're trying to do is get enough people in to be able to see their draft picks and just start to introduce things to them and make their draft picks kind of the focal point of the meeting rooms, the study sessions, and getting the reps on the field. Because what happens is once you kind of report with the veterans, the veterans get most of the reps, especially if you're kind of a bottom of the roster guy or like, you know, one of these sixth, seventh round picks, you know, you think you're going to get reps over Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Danny Gray, uh, Ray Ray McLeod. Like those guys are going to get, and typically how it went when, when I was with the Jets, but first first string or that rotation, the guys, they get the first reps. Second string, get the second the second group, uh, reps. And you'll get about three. So there'll be about five with the first, five with the second. Then they'll go five with the first again, five with the second. And then the third string get like three. And then they'll move on to the next period. So rookie minicamp is a legit opportunity for the undrafted guys, the late round guys to get a little bit more reps and things be structured more so around them. So typically they, they get enough guys in to be able to have like two deep groups on each side of the ball and maybe a few more guys. And uh, it sucks for some of the guys that are the tryout guys because your chances of actually making it are very, very slim. You have to really impress. And I think the 49ers in maybe 2017, so when they were still kind of building their roster, there were a couple guys that they kept off of the tryout. But typically, I mean, out of all the guys, tryout guys that are there, you might see one signed every other year. So it really is more so about the guys that they already have on roster and being able to give guys like Jair Tick Brown a ton of reps because once the actual practices start, he won't get as many reps unless he starts to forge himself into that like legit rotation. Right. So you need a. Uh you need to get your rookies enough reps in rookie mini camp. So they're not just like completely lost once the other practices start and they can kind of, you know, jump in with the rest of the team and, and know what's going on. Um, and then it's, it's funny that you mentioned that with the tryout guys too, because you know, they're in, in some ways they're, they're quote unquote tryouts and you could catch somebody's eye and make a roster. But a lot of times it's just like, we need more guys so we can see the other guys. Yeah. So you just need like, they signed two quarterbacks or they didn't sign them, but they brought two quarterbacks in on, on a tryout basis um, Steven Montez and uh, Clayton Thorson, I believe it was, but because they needed a quarterback to throw. Because if you don't have someone to throw to the guys, then you can't practice. And so, you know, they're probably not going to make the team. Maybe you have an opportunity to show something, you know, and it's better than nothing for some of these tryout guys. But you, you just need players on the field so that your rookies can practice. And that's really what it's all about is getting those rookies practice. Um, did you have 11 on 11s and did you have pads on at your rookie mini camp? Because we're talking 10 years ago now and the league has even changed a lot in that time. Because I, I can imagine like there would be at least a little bit more hitting potentially, um, maybe some pads on potentially, uh, you know, rules have changed. Collective bargaining allows what you can and can't do in these. And even 11 on 11s, they're not having. I think the maximum they did was seven on sevens at this rookie minicamp of the 49ers. And they were wearing helmets, but, uh, you know, no pads, anything like that. So, again, we're just, you know, you're working out in shorts here. So if there's a, a guy like Jacour Pearson who comes from the XFL, and was a rookie last year undrafted and then is now getting a shot with some tryouts if he looks good well yeah he's 5'7 180 pounds and just got done playing a season of xfl football i don't think you can take a lot away from that even though you know some people watching practice are like oh jacor peterson really stood out and maybe that'll give him the opportunity he needs but I, I, 
I just it, it's hard to scout a practice, especially a practice like rookie mini camp for me. You definitely don't have pads on. You do have a helmet on. Uh, we did do some team stuff as well as seven on seven, from what I remember. But obviously, it's you know when you don't have pads on, it's everything is kind of like seven on seven because the quarterbacks are going to throw the ball regardless. So there's no pass rush that can really like sack the quarterback unless the quarterback just takes off and runs. But yeah, it, it, it's like you said, it's really geared towards just seeing the younger guys, seeing the rookies, and being able to coach them up on mistakes. Look, that's a big part of it. Making mistakes and then getting coached up on it. And and without those mistakes, it's really hard to take that next step. And that's with anybody, right? I mean, you could look at Brock Purdy in games. And as well as he played, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things where he could really improve on and take his game to the next level. And you're probably going to look at those things to see, like, all right, look, you know, yeah, you did this well, but, man, I really want you to go here. I really want you to go there. And learning from those things is much funner when you learn, have to learn from it after a win. But in general, you know, for a lot of quarterbacks taking that next step, you really have to mess up. You, you need that opportunity to mess up. I mentioned Jacor Pearson, a surprising name to come from 49ers rookie mini camp. One 49ers rookie that couldn't even finish practice. And then some quotes about Kyle Shanahan on his quarterback room and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel right now during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back, $1,000 in bonus bets back, depending on your first bet, if your first bet doesn't win. So why not check out? FanDuel and there's tons of ways to bet on FanDuel so many fun things going on right now uh, of course NBA playoffs but there's NHL playoffs there is Major League Baseball games every single day all summer long and you can still bet on NFL football as well super uh, future Super Bowl champions who's the next rookie of the year how many sacks are Nick Bosa is going to have this year uh, defensive player of the year coach of the year so many fun ways to bet on NFL futures as well as NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, so much more. No better place to bet on all of that playoff action than America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay. Jack Corp Pearson. By the way, XFL's leading receiver. I think he got invited to a tryout with the Indianapolis Colts as well, if I'm not mistaken. But he was at rookie minicamp with the 49ers. And by some accounts, some some firsthand accounts, we weren't there, Croc. Looking pretty good. Looking pretty quick. And uh, his his 40 time was reportedly 4-2-8, Croc, for the 5-7, 180-pound wide receiver who led the XFL in receptions with 60 and receiving yards with 670 on 84 tar- targets for the Seattle Battlehawks? No, the Battlehawks is somebody else. The Seattle Sea Dragons? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I that, that sounds about right. Something like that. Anyway, uh, Jacor Pearson, he's small and he's fast and made a little bit of an impression, at least on some onlookers during 49ers rookie minigame. How much did you say he weighed? Uh, he's 5'7", 180, I believe. He, for, for being short, he doesn't look that skinny. He looks pretty stout, like someone who could you know, break a tackle or two. Because sometimes the, the little guys are like, oh my God, this guy looks like you could pick him up and throw him down with one hand. Pearson has a little bit of thickness to him for not being a very big guy. All right, so there's a certain receiver that played with Kyle Shanahan 
It actually had those very same dimensions and was a very difficult receiver to defend. And he goes by the name of Andrew Hawkins. You guys might remember mm-hmm. him. Played under Kyle Shanahan with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, listed at five foot seven, 180 pounds. He didn't run in the four twos, but he did run a four three four 40 yard dash. So he was extremely quick, dynamic. I mean, his uh, shuttle times are crazy. His three cones, 6.8. Uh, this is a guy that was really quick in have his breaks, and he has like highlights of just mixing guys in practice. And he was never probably going to be a you know a multi thousand yard receiver, you know, year in and year out. But just having kind of a role, we've seen Kyle utilize guys like this. I mean, Taylor Gabriel. I, I don't know how big he was, but he was another one of those guys. And it feels like Kyle has gone away from that type of slot receiver. But hey, man, maybe there's hope for Pearson if Andrew Hawkins can do it. And I think it was Mike McDaniel who kind of found Hawkins and was like through watching highlights. And he was like, Hey, we need to bring that guy in. Looking at last. So uh, last year was, was the, the, the 2021 draft, I believe was, or was it 2020? Yeah. 2022 draft because he played 2021 with Ole Miss. He was at uh, Western Kentucky before that catching passes from, I think Brandon Doty, right. Was it, was it, was that the quarterback back in the day at the, with the hilltoppers <laughs> that were, you know, they were spreading out and throwing a million times. Um, Baby but, Zappy, like, but not, 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 he's oh, prior- Zappy, yeah. No, cause Actually, Zappy came was, it probably still was Zappy. Yeah, it was Zappy. He, he okay. was part of the Zappy crew. Brandon Doty was a few years ago, aging myself there with the, with the Doty. I think that was right before Zappy, but, um, Jacora Peters Pearson, was he at the pro day? He was reported four four two. So I don't know about this four two eight that was pre XFL workout stuff. You never know who's timing these guys. But he's small and, and quick and fast, and made an impression at at Forty Nine ers minicamp and was the leading receiver receiver in the XFL. But it's funny because um, we talked off the air a little bit about how Hakeem Butler looked awesome for the. Oh, he was on the Battle Hawks. That's what it was. Hakeem Butler was the second leading rece- receiver in the XFL, both receptions and yards. Fifty one catches for five hundred ninety nine yards eight touchdowns led the led the xfl in, in touchdown receptions and hakeem butler's a receiver crock that you and i both liked pre-draft he got signed by the pittsburgh steelers post xfl so uh we'll see what the reports are from him with camp but it's funny because we uh you know i was like well kyle's kyle hates hakeem butlers right but he likes andrew hawkins and Jacor Pearson kind of fits that role. So I'm glad that you put that together because I didn't think about that. He's definitely much more of a Kyle Shanahan guy than Hakeem Butler was. So I'm not surprised Hakeem Butler didn't get a shot with the 49ers. I would have loved to have the XFL. I 100% would have played in that. Oh, as soon yeah. as I was going to go by the Jets, XFL would have picked me up right away. The CFL, they do some weird stuff where they try to like lock you into these two-year deals. So I would have had a really hard time. Let's say I go to the CFL and I ball, it would have been hard for me to leave and kind of get out of that contract. So mm-hmm. that's why you see a lot of guys kind of opt and try to figure out different ways. I definitely would have went the XFL route. I went to the AFL route and I actually played very well. 11 interceptions in the NFL still was like, mm, no, really weird. NFL, a lot of hype surrounding it. So that's why I was, it was intriguing to see that even Hakeem Butler signing with Pittsburgh got the opportunity because a lot of what the NFL does is, is based off of hype. So it's like, how does Eric Crocker, you know, out of college or at a rookie year in the arena league with three interceptions, get 10 NFL teams lined up to work me out, fly me out, everything. But then Eric Crocker, who was the number one overall pick in the arena draft after being let go by the Jets, you know, goes to the arena league. It has 11 interceptions in the year. And it's like, ah, no workouts. And it was really weird. A lot was bubbling, 
but nothing kind of uh, came came to uh, happen. So it's very interesting how the NFL works. Uh, somehow a bunch of hype uh, one year, then the next year, even though I balled, it's like nothing. Yeah, it's like you need one team to work you out, and then all of a sudden, every team's working you out. It's like the scouting like thing, right? When somebody throws a name out there, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a hot name. This guy's a riser. And I think right. that's how yeah, yeah. think about the guys that are controlling these things. We we talk a lot about the draft, and um, you've done the whole thing with the uh, the shadow draft, and everybody thinks that these organizations know so much more and that they're able to just put together this far better team. But the scouts, the people that are in these rooms, they're just like you and I. They just knew somebody and they got in there. <laughs> like that's right. the only and, difference. And a lot of times with the scouts, especially with the late round draft picks, they're like trading information and because they don't want to. You, the worst thing you can be is an area scout and the NFL draft happens and you're sitting there in the draft room and you're not allowed to speak. You're not making picks, but you're just sitting there in the NFL draft room. Right. And a player out of your region gets drafted by another team and you don't have a report on that guy. You know what I mean? So sure. a lot of that is like, you know, so these scouts are like trading information because they don't want to look bad with their own organization. So they're like talking about some of the same guys. And then, so the, you know, I think that's why you see a lot of the same names get, get thrown around because you don't want to miss on a guy that another team saw and he was in your area and you didn't at least know about him and have him written up. So, uh, yeah, a lot of that goes on with, uh, with NFL scouting and, you know, still very inexact science. And that means there's guys like Jacor Pearson could fall through the cracks and maybe he is something for the 49ers. So interesting, definitely an interesting player. And we'll see if he sticks with the 49ers and what he looks like in camp. I would say probably one of the biggest takeaways from rookie minicamp was undrafted rookie Joey Fisher out of Shepherd University. He couldn't finish his practice because he had to go sit down and had a towel wrapped around his head because uh, it was like a kind of heat exhaustion type of a thing that he was having. Um, not a good sign for someone that can't finish a practice. Um, and, you know, it was only, you know, whatever – it was warm this weekend compared to Bay area weather, but it wasn't like, you know, 90 degrees or anything like that. It was like 75 degrees and he's, uh, and he can't finish practice. So that's probably somebody who hadn't been working out a lot and was probably sitting around waiting for the draft to happen, see if they were going to end up because, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean that he's a bad player or won't get into better shape or, you know, just, you know, whatever, but probably someone who just sat around during the draft process and, and wasn't ready to practice yet. You know, a lot of these guys, especially coming from these small schools, they don't have a lot of resources that some of these other athletes might have. You were in an Exos or whatever it's called in L.A. Yeah. working out with the fancy uh, fancy trainers. and Yeah. Yeah, so they got Exos all over. I mean, they got it in like Florida. They got Exos in L.A. They have them in different areas. Yeah, some people that go to uh, Phoenix, Arizona to train. And, you know, I had a, I guess you could say client, but I look at him more as like a little brother now because I've worked with him so many times. He's flown out to Arkansas with me. But, you know, he he was somewhere for eight weeks and, you know, they, they, they pushed him. They worked out hard and everything. But right before the rookie minicamp, what did he do? Flew out to Arkansas, trained with me for an entire week, right, to prepare. And, you know, we worked on speed, agility, our field work, strength and conditioning. Uh, you know, we worked on all those things. Uh, I, it was five days. I gave him one day off where we focused more on uh, recovery and stuff, but just trying to like get him ready for what he might face at rookie minicamp, which, you know, I knew more of what that was like because I had been there and he went, he was like, man, it was great. They, I mean, they loved him. 
They loved him as an undrafted guy. So, you know, some of the things that the other guys kind of dealt with and had going on, my guy didn't deal with that because I was giving him firsthand knowledge on, hey, this is how we're going to approach it. This is how we're going to do it. This is how you need to go. Okay, this every rep needs to be like this. This is what these are the things that they want to see. And uh, it was good giving him that experience as well as just the training. So he prepared and I pushed him with his training to, uh, you know, when there's a rep and then I'd act like we're going back on the ball, like it's no huddle. And he had to give me everything for that rep. So he really trained his body and his mind to prepare for it. But it sounds like this tackle out of Shepherd's College. One thing about small school guys, again, maybe not at the XOs and things. Maybe he had the bare minimum with combine prep because he is an office alignment. So maybe he's not going somewhere where they're really focusing on speed and things like that. And then how much are you improving on your conditioning? Are you doing those things on your own? Because this is a big guy. And if he's not, man, you you go there and you can you can end up looking pretty, pretty bad. And yeah. one guy in Baltimore, it wasn't my guy, but they told one of the cornerbacks there, six four corner, you you can't play at this level. So figure out something else that you want to do with your life. Like they flat out told them and you risk that if you go there and you're not prepared, you risk them, them saying this, just, this, this level of football is not for you. Wow. That's, that's wow. That's gotta be tough to hear. And it's, it's funny. Cause you mentioned the workouts, Joey Fisher had great workouts, uh, but conditioning and, and work conditioning is, is a very different thing. And Croc, didn't you, you told me a story once about uh, preparing for training camp like the the beep test or whatever it is, or the uh, the conditioning test they yeah. give you, and you practice the conditioning test knowing it was coming. And I think that's something Joey Fisher probably uh, sh- should take a page out of your book to make sure you practice whatever it is the conditioning is going to be because that's probably part of it. Because that's another thing is is you're not really when you're getting ready for draft prep, you're prepping for these testing results. You're not prepping for a football game, and that's very different. Very different. You're not you need to be working on technique things that they'll have you do at your pro day or your, the combine, but it is drastically different in the sense of just like the endurance uh, part of everything, because they are focused on more speed and speed training. You know, you might run a, run a sprint, do a start, you know, build ups, but it's not like, Oh, every few seconds you have to run another sprint as opposed to the, you know, and I didn't know head in the training camp. I They told us exactly what, the conditioning test was, you know, 16 110s or something like that. So at the end of my field workout, I would run 16 110s and I would just lower the time each time. So the first one, you know, let's say it's, I had to get it in, I don't know, 15 seconds. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I get in 15. And then the next week I go down to 14 seconds, the next week down to 13, whatever it was, I went down to where by the time uh, it was ready for camp, I had already been running whatever their times were. So it was very easy for me. But then somebody like, you know, Joe McKnight, RIP Joe McKnight, I think he failed his, that, that day, that conditioning test. So there are some guys that didn't prepare that same way. And we've seen 49er players over the years tweak something or pull something during the conditioning test. You know, how much did you prepare for that? Now, some, some teams, I think maybe the Seahawks and there's some other, they don't do a conditioning test. They just hold their guys accountable. And I've been a part of organizations like that as well with the San Jose Sabercats where we didn't do a conditioning thing, but we conditioned actually like during practice, we would, uh, after every single rep, you had to turn and run 10 yards. So then by the game, by the game time, oh man, we were in such great shape. Fourth quarters, we just dominated. We dominated. You know, that was part of the reason why we we're so good. So everybody kind of does it a little different. And if you're a top pick, you're going to get an opportunity to get into shape. But if you're teetering on the edge, 
and you're not passing the conditioning drills and you can't finish practice, I mean, that could be death for your career. It's a red flag, and I'm pretty sure someone had a conversation with him about that. Next, Kyle Shanahan speaking on his quarterbacks, Croc. And uh, I think he, he, he had a quote that stands out, but it's one of the least surprising quotes I've heard this offseason from the 49ers head coach. Next. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to the everydayers. Of course, we'll have many camps and OTAs covered for you every day. And continuing our post-draft scouting reports, taking deep dives on all the prospects the 49ers brought in, including Joey Fisher coming up, undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, he wasn't maybe in, in ready for practice shape, but uh, still a player I have high hopes for for the San Francisco 49ers Uh and uh, we'll get into his scouting report and tons more of the 49ers draft picks and undrafted free agents as well on future episodes of Locked On 49ers. So stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to get the quote exactly right here, Croc. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, when speaking at the uh, Dwight Clark Legacy event in Santa Clara, San Jose, wherever it was last week, um, he and it, it happened. I think uh, Friday night, maybe after our, our last uh, our last podcast, so we hadn't had a chance to bring it up, Croc. But Kyle Shanahan said that the 49ers have quote three franchise talented quarterbacks, three quarterbacks that are franchise quarterback that have franchise quarterback talent on the San Francisco 49ers roster. And I think we might have even talked about this earlier in the offseason, Croc. That when Kyle Shanahan talks about his quarterback room. He's going, yeah, here, here's the exact quote. I quote, I truly see Sam talent wise as a top pick in the draft, just like he was. You watch his whole career, and there was no reason to think differently. He has been the best situ he hasn't been in the best situations. So we're glad to have him here. And I'm so glad he wanted to come here. And that was just specifically about Sam Darnold. But then when he's speaking about all his quarterbacks, he said, quote, I do believe we have three quarterbacks talent wise who are capable of being franchise like quarterbacks but that's just capable brock's done that in his eight and we have two other guys on our roster who we strongly believe can do that also and i wasn't expecting him to go franchise caliber with his quote but we talked about whenever kyle shanahan speaks about his quarterbacks he's going to say quote the 49ers have three starting quarterbacks and so uh it's it's a quote that i'm not surprised to see even though it's getting a lot of traction from from uh, kyle shanahan what are your thoughts on on kyle shanahan's quotes and and how it's kind of changed a little bit and like i feel like every time the 49ers talk about their quarterbacks it's slightly different and that maybe john lynch and kyle shanahan need to get together and be like okay here's the messaging this is what we're going to say and let's just say that every time and we'll let them know what the depth chart is by the reps that they're taking to training camp well do you do you feel they have not three franchise quarterbacks i think that's ridiculous but <laughs> three and maybe when he says that like I said, maybe he's thinking more potential, right? Like they, they, three, these three guys have the potential to be that, right? That maybe that's a better way to say it. Because if you just see the quote in itself, and somebody posted it to Twitter, and like Kyle Shanahan says they have three franchise quarterbacks, people are like, man, get out of here, you know. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, we know there's a lot of ability with Sam Darnold and terrible situations. He could be much better for our franchise and be a franchise type guy. Trey Lance, bunch of ability, but man, he hasn't been able to start three games in a row or finish back-to-back -back games. And then Brock Purdy, hey man, we saw him win eight games, so we know we can win with him. I guess if you look at it from that perspective, maybe 
that's how he's viewing it? Do you, do you see it? That's, yeah, that's what he's saying. And he did say talent-wise, we have three. It's funny how he's like, man, eight games? Well, we know Brock Purdy's a franchise quarterback. And then the <laughs> other two guys, they were top three picks for a reason. They're super talented. But, you know, and, uh, basically, and basically he says, like, Sam Darnold clearly hasn't been a franchise quarterback, but they've been bad situations. So maybe there's more there. I don't know. So he, he's very truthful. And, like, I, I don't have a problem with anything that he said. And, you know, they – if, if you think Brock Purdy is a franchise quarterback and it sounds like the 49ers believe he's everything, it's, it's kind of wild how much they believe in, in Brock Purdy, to be honest with you. Um, Why? I mean, because he's played eight games. I mean, if, if Trey Lance, when, when Trey Lance, let's say Brock Purdy can't play for a month and Trey Lance plays four more games, they'll be like, oh, cool, now we know. We didn't know at all about Trey Lance, but we saw four more games. Well, now we for sure know 100%. You know, that's just kind of weird. That, and, and, you know, physically, he's less talented but, than both the other guys. And both those guys were drafted number three overall, which is where you want to draft your franchise quarterback. That's why you draft them there as franchise quarterback. So, yeah, uh, talent-wise, they do have a lot of talent. But, I mean, I was just I was just laughing at the quote because I, I was waiting for – Kyle to finally say the we have three starting quarterbacks thing because I was I knew he was going to say it this offseason that was I, that was his way of of saying it I think what about the rest of what he said because I thought there were some interesting things there as he alludes to kind of just where guys at are at and then he talked a whole lot about Trey Lance and the finger injury and the each time he talks about it I feel like I learn a little bit more about it initially you know back when it happened Trey hit his finger on somebody's helmet, had a hurt finger, whatever it was, and it wasn't something that was going to keep him out a long time, right? Like, that was the initial thing. And then it turned into, you know, the more you hear about it, like, oh, there's a fracture. He had to change the way he kind of threw the ball. And then now you're hearing, not only did he have to change the way he threw the ball, it didn't heal correctly. He did have to change the way he threw the ball. Then he had to rework and try to relearn how to throw the ball the original way. And it kind of poured over into a time where, oh, now it's full go. And he's still trying to learn how to work that grip. And it kind of set him behind. He, yeah. So, in, and remember the comment from, I think it was the comment from John Lynch, where he's like, Trey has to learn how to stay healthy kind of thing. Yeah. And it was like, well, your other quarterbacks all got hurt too. What are you talking about? Why you, why would you sing about Trey Lance? And, but then you hear about the, the finger thing and, you know, a, a broken finger isn't supposed to, and he played after that, by the way. So, you know, it couldn't have been that bad to where he couldn't, because he still played after, because that was a preseason game when he got hurt. He played in the regular season, like right away. Um, And he said, uh, this is the quote from, from Kyle on Trey Lance there. He says, quote, he broke the finger and it didn't heal right. Trey spent a whole year throwing without a bent finger, which changes everything, which shows you the toughness of the kid. He never complained about it. He just tried to adjust so he could be out there. He spent a whole offseason just trying to rehab his grip so he could throw normal. He was, uh, and then he said, quote, he was able to get such a better base the last two months. I think Trey's the best we've had him right now. Um, but it's wild that, you know, it's like, it, it takes an ACL nine to 12 months to get to get right. It took him like, it's taken him a year and a half to get his finger right. So it was just kind of weird. Mechanics. It's that part. It's just he changed his mechanics to throw a ball, and he spent months throwing it that way. Gotcha. And yeah. then he had to try to relearn, or you know, how to throw back his original way because he created a very bad habit. That that's what it sounds like. Okay, that makes more sense. That it wasn't necessarily the finger wasn't healed. It was just that he had to re he had to fix the bad habits that he learned throwing with a without a bent finger. Correct. And I 
you know, definitely. and all this time he's like working on mechanics anyway, right? Separately from the injury, right? And I think that that's a lot for somebody that's already trying to re- rework a lot of stuff. But I, I smashed my finger in my weights, uh, putting some dumbbells back, and I, I think I fractured it. I think I have like maybe a hairline fracture in my pointer finger, and uh, it's still swollen, and it's been a month now. And when I would play, you know, and I, I'm working with kids and I'm doing a lot of different things, throwing footballs, etc. I changed the way that I threw the football to protect my finger that's still swollen over a month later. So I could only imagine someone like him that's throwing a lot and constantly hitting that. Cause every time if I, if, if the ball hit my finger a certain way, I get this sharp pain that almost like crumbles me. And I wonder if he had to deal with something like that too. Even the way I catch the ball right now, if you were to watch me catch a football, I kind of leave this pointer finger up more and catch more with the other nine fingers. And, and, and if you do that enough, let's say I had to do that every single day, I would probably start to create a bad habit to where even when it is back right, it's like, well, why are you catching? Why is one finger a little bit different? And that could like lead to some drops or something. Right. And and I, I don't know. I'm trying to understand from his perspective on how that, how that could be. And then you consider, so they had the dead arm period and then the ankle so, I mean, there has been a lot of injuries mounting up, but it's, it's it's not a new thing either with 49ers quarterbacks, as we've seen with Brock Purdy and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Brock Purdy played those eight games. Look great. He's had two injuries. He's averaging an injury per four games right now. So Yeah, the uh, ribs, which was a tough one when they were yeah. like, oh, is he going to play? And, and yeah. he played and he battled through. And, and I feel like it might have been his worst game, but understandably so when you knew that he it was the Seahawks game. Oh, the Seahawks game, right? But then the next game was awesome against Tampa, right? Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So you know, but the the way they were talking about it with the Seahawks game, throwing, doing certain things, it was kind of tough for him, and he had missed some throws, and it was weird. It was kind of clunky game. I think the 49ers scored what 19, 21 points or something like that, uh, and one of them kind of came off of a. So there, I mean, if you kind of look at the three scores, you had the triple double screen fake <laughs> to George Kittle, then you had the busted coverage where nobody was guarding George Kittle. And then you had the inner or a fumble recovery that they ran back to like the two yard line. And those were kind of the outside of that, the offense was a little weird. And I think you could say like, man, those ribs that I think that had something to do with how he was kind of throwing the ball and some of the misses that he had. Remember he hit digs right in the chest. He threw some uh, bad out routes to Christian McCaffrey in that game. So there were some weird things going on that were a little bit, uh, not as normal as what we had seen from Brock from an efficiency standpoint. And it's kind of, it goes to the point too, where, you know, Brock physically is, and this is why I'm a little bit, part of the reason why I'm a little bit surprised, uh, you know, as well as he played and he did play awesome that the 49ers are like, Oh, we found our guy. That's it. We're done. You know, it's kind of like the vibe we're getting about Brock Purdy from the 49ers um, is because he doesn't have enough arm to make up for if he's got a little rib thing, or if, you know, if he can't get his base under him, you know, what's that going to do to his ability to throw? Whereas someone like Trey could have a broken finger and maybe still get away with it because he did. I mean, we saw him against the Houston Texans. Right. He's got such a big, he got a big arm, right? So, um, something to consider. But, uh, last thing here, quote from Kyle Shanahan is about Brock Purdy's return. And he was like, yeah, he's going to be at camp. So he said, quote, as long as Brock's elbow heals right, he'll be the exact same guy. He's doing the same drills all the other quarterbacks are doing. He's just using a towel to throw, but he's still doing violent motions, still moving. He's not just doing it with a football. 
as long as there's not a setback, we think he'll be there at training camp. So a couple things there. Violent motions already? He just started getting mobility back in his elbow. Like That was like last week, wasn't it? Uh, so that that's surprising. He's already doing violent motions with a towel and not a football. Uh, and then when Kyle says he'll be there at training camp, does he mean he'll be fully participating or he'll just be around and doing you know, the, the non-team stuff. I think he'll, and is that enough for them to, is that enough for him just to, and this is the kind of the question that I wish the reporters would follow up on. Is it enough for him to just be there doing non-team stuff in a practice setting for them to be like, you're cleared, you're the starter, no matter what the other guys are doing. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot more expectations with him this year. So you would like to see him go through training camp. If he doesn't have that, I feel like maybe they, Assume like, hey, he had to step in last year and he wasn't the guy in training camp and he was a third string guy. He wasn't getting a lot of snaps or reps and he stepped in and he was just fine. And we had some more best play that we've had at quarterback position for the 49ers. So I think from that standpoint, maybe they're just not worried about it. His preparation, the way he goes about it, he prepares at a high level and they're comfortable with that. So they're like, you know what, whatever, whatever he's able to do during training camp. We'll be fine come week one, uh, regardless, because that's the type of uh, gritter uh, type guy he is. That's what I'm assuming. Now, he also said something about Trey Lance, and this is the best of Trey Lance we've seen from a mechanical standpoint. And if this continues, you know, through training camp, and they're going to continue to evaluate it, see what it looks like. You know, obviously, you have high expectations for him. Hasn't met those for various reasons. But right now, he looks great. So if he continues to just, and when he said look great, yeah, they're not going live on the air, all that. But they are throwing the football. And even from that, like, you, you look for small wins with anything when it comes to development, right? I, I just got done, you know, and we talked about me coming on here, and I'm like, hey, I, you know, I train these women right before I come on. So as soon as I'm done, I'll text you, right? And I text you when I was done. Well, one thing with them is there's certain things that's hard for them to do, like push-ups. And, you know, or they'll do push-ups from the knees. And for me, it's just, okay, you do it from the knees now, like, in two weeks, can I get you to do two straight push-ups that not from your knees, right? Like just these small gains. And for Trey Lance, the small gains are, oh, can he just look good throwing on air? Can he just look comfortable throwing? Can he just look good coming out of his hand? Is he accurate throwing on air? And if they see that, okay, that's a good box to check. Now let's move on to the next thing. Got the mini camps going. During mini camps, they don't have pads on, but how's the ball come out of his hands? Is he comfortable with what he's seeing from the defense? You know, is he being hesitant? Is he throwing those passes that are a little bit more risky? Is he completing them? You know, oh, he's doing that. Check that box. Okay, now you got training camp. What does it look like when he gets the pads on? Brock Purdy's still our guy, but are we seeing the best version of Trey Lance? And I think that's the way they're probably viewing it. So I wouldn't take too much away from this is the best he's looked, but I would say that is somewhat checking off a box that they have for him with wherever he's at. Yeah, and ultimately for Trey Lance to to have an opportunity to compete for that job, it's nice for him to have a fully healed ankle, fully healed finger, and to not be thinking so much about mechanics and go out there and play 100% healthy and compete. So that's huge for Trey Lance going right. into camp. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Croc and I back next time breaking down 49ers rookies. Scout reports, deep dives right here. Locked On 49ers.